On today's episode of GM Street, we will hit the Gronkowski news, what's next for Des Bryant, and the top 15 offensive players in the NFL draft, the GM Street top 15. We are brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. Be sure to check this feed, the Ringer NFL Show feed, to get all things NFL draft leading up to the draft and after the draft. We are also brought to you by TheRinger.com, where you can get all NFL draft prep and draft reactions. It is all coming up this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all NFL draft, all Ringer NFL. Be sure to check it out. But first, GM Street. Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It is Monday. It is April 23rd. I am Tate Frazier, and I am joined by the illustrious, the yeah. great Mr. Michael Lombardi in Los Angeles. How you doing, Lombardi? I am great, Tate Frazier. Draft week. You're back from Italy. I can't wait to hear all about the trip. I'm excited. Uh, tell me, what was the best thing you ate in Italy? The best thing I ate in Italy, we had a little uh, pizza party where we, we were lucky enough to go on this uh, this trip, thanks to Inspirato, this villa in Tuscany. This is something that someone from Henderson should never be doing in life, but I was happy to be there uh, with eight good friends. We had this you know, pizza chef come over. There was a pizza oven at the place. We got to make our own pizza in Italy, drink wine, watch the sunset. So you made the dough? Got the, Well, you know, he, he rolled it out and made it all happen for Who us. Who so made the sauce? He did? He made the sauce, yes. But we're all there, you know, we're, we're putting into the pizza oven, acting as if we're doing anything that's proper, but it was a lot of fun. I don't know if making the pizza is actually qualifies as putting it in the oven. I think there's a little bit more <laughs> to it. There's a little it. bit more to it, there's but you know, we put more. the pepperonis on it. And you, you went know, to Siena and you, and you saw all that. Siena's a great town. I yeah, love Siena. The, the first bank in the world, the Bank of Siena, learned a lot of history, learned about uh, St. Catherine, one of the doctors of the church. The only other one was Mother Teresa. That, that's that's a woman. So we, we learned some great things there. Uh, they actually have her head in the church. I saw a human head from someone from oh. the 1300s. I didn't know that was possible. I think I walked through there. I just don't remember that. I know I was on the Plaza. Uh, I was down there. A million. We were walking around there, and so I saw that. I would like to go to watch the horse. I really would. I would like to watch. I think I. I the, the, it's around the Fourth of July in mm-hmm. August. So I, I would like to see that because the neighborhoods are so good. There's one neighborhood. There's one uh, contrada that looks like the uh, Crimson Tide. Oh yes. The, I got that flag. I bought, it's the elephant. So they yeah. have it based on districts. So it's usually right. animals that represent yeah. whatever district. Like I, that, the that's where I would or, live. Or the snail. I would or, live where the elephant was. That's, yeah. That's, I, I figured that out. So I bought the flag. I like the panther. I, would I go got the, the flag. I got the flag in my office. I like that. That was good. Well, it's good to have you back. I mean, you missed a great week. I saw Bruce Springsteen live at the Walter Kerr Theater. It was unbelievable. How was Bruce? Bruce was amazing. Bruce was unbelievably reflective. I think Bruce is doing this to thank people. Really, mm-hmm. I think it's a yes. thank tour. I think he's thanking and apologizing at the same time. True he's, fans like you that he's thanking. No, well, I mean, I was applauded. Millie's like, <laughs> Millie's, I'm, I'm applauded and I'm clapping. Of and Millie's like, he's not looking at you. So just sit, you know, sit down. It was great. I mean, I, I thought it was unbelievable. And I could see why people want to go see it. I would go see it again. It's a journey through his life. He's apologizes to his father for the depression. It's really good. You have to see it. It's great. I got to go check it out. Uh, well, I learned a new word. It's Allura, you know, which is well, is a very common phrase in Italy. And I'll say Allura prego. now because, yeah, Prego. Now we have to get back to some NFL news. There's a lot going on a in lot. the NFL. Yes, you missed a lot. A it's... lot of big topics. I, I was. I will say this one last thing about Italy. I was in Florence. Someone came up to me at dinner and said that they listened to the podcast and That's they love awesome. GM Street. And uh, I had that happen in Cinque Terre as well. So two cities abroad. All of my friends were very oh, confused. Oh, man, I love no that. We, yeah, I, I love that. We got to get their email. Yeah, we got to go back to Italy and, and do a show there. We but should do I would do one in Munich. Yeah, we'll do whatever we can we to get can back to We do one on the Via Veneto. I may stay in Italy. Uh, <laughs> I feel tan and I feel good. Uh, but Gronkowski is not feeling good right no, now. No, he not. 
He you know. says uh, that the fans will see a freak a leak. Do you right. know who Petey Pablo is, the rapper? No. So Petey Pablo is a rapper from my home state of North Carolina. He has a song called Freak a Leak. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a very famous song, and he has this famous line: twenty four, thirty four, forty six. I think uh, the implication there is is Gronkowski is looking for one of those numbers of millions of dollars from the Patriots. Yeah. He wants to get paid. Yeah, I, I mean, I think people are confusing this thing so dramatically. I mean, like they're saying, well, well, Gronk's mad at Belichick. Gronk's th-. No, this is about money. Mm-hmm. It's it's about money. It's about he wants another contract. I mean, there was a time where Gronk, every year Gronk wants another contract. I mean, there was a time when at the Combine, Drew Rosenhaus had typed a letter, he wants a new contract, and he forgot that the rules state you have to wait 12 months before you can do a new contract. That's how much he's always trying to. And in fairness to Rosenhaus and in fairness to Gronk, it's hard to officiate Gronk and it's hard to pay Gronk. Because, I mean, let's face it, if you were if we were just over in Siena sitting in the square and we were doing a <laughs> fantasy draft, mm-hmm. we would pick Gronk over Sammy Watkins, who's making $16 million, right? We would pick Gronk over most offensive players. So he's hard to do a contract for. This is about money. It's green. It's money. So Money he, be green. Don't forget that. Money do be green. And Gronkowski, so he wore motocross gear to the press conference, uh, and he was promoting Monster Energy. He has two years remaining on the six-year $54 million contract that he signed in June 2012 right now. And when he was asked if he's going to play in 2018, he responded, maybe, but he has to work on his writing skills, which is, I, I assume, his motocross skills. Um, so just taking all that in, that is a whole lot to package in and, and to see where Gronkowski is right now. But it seems like football is the least of his concerns. Yeah, well, look, you know, it's a voluntary workout. I'm sure he's talking about he's going to be in good shape. I mean, Mm -hmm. Gronk works out. Gronk's always in good shape. The same thing with Brady. I mean, just because they're not there doesn't mean they're not going to play. I think, you know, Brady, if he wasn't going to play, he owes it to the Patriots to let them know fairly quickly that he wasn't going to play because as we enter draft week, you know, this is the time where you need to know what's going on. I'm very confident both players will play. Uh, and I think to me, the only thing would concern me about Gronk is if he doesn't have a great offseason, those injuries tend to creep up a little bit. And guys that don't really spend the offseason working, and I'm sure maybe he is, but you always worry about that injury. Well, we hope his riding skills do well, and we hope that uh, he takes off that motocross helmet and puts on a Patriots helmet yeah. uh, by the time the season starts. Another big-name guy that, that a lot of people have been discussing and talking about his future is uh, Des Bryant, who we both know from the Dallas Cowboys, who was recently let go. Um, he put it out there that he wanted to stay in the NFC East and that he wanted to go to the New York Giants. Uh, Ian Rappaport came out and said, although he may want to go to New York, New York does not yeah. want Des Bryant to come there. Um, so now we're in the situation where, where where does Des go and what does Des do now? You know, we've talked about this for a while. I, I it, it, It's beyond my own comprehension why the Cowboys waited until the Friday before the offseason workout. Now, there's always a deadline with the Cowboys. That's why they operate that way. Where if you could have taken, the Cowboys could have taken this money they got back from Des Bryant and given it to Sheldon Richardson on a one-year deal for $8 million. Now, you mm-hmm. put Sheldon Richardson on the defensive front all of a sudden, but I think there's a deeper lying issue here. I think this is make or break time in Dallas. I think the Cowboys front office is giving the clapper as much rope as he wants to get the team that he wants around him. You know, Jason Winton's talking about coming back, but yet he interviewed, he's auditioning for Monday Night Football, wants to be in the host. Now he says he's not going to do TV, so maybe he just auditioned just to do that. I don't know. Maybe it was a favor, you know, you never know. Maybe it was, but his game is obviously not the same. I mean, look, Mm -hmm. we've said it on the podcast numerous times, the Cowboys have no skill. The Cowboys' biggest problem, they got Elliott and they got Prescott, and they're really not a very explosive offense other than that. On the outside, on the perimeter. And Dez is now finding out that, you know, it's not the same. I think Dez is an inside slot receiver. We have in this draft, we have a lot of tight ends, okay? 
And all those tight ends are really just inside slot receivers. Maybe the South Dakota kid can block a little bit. They're but just they're, mismatches on the inside. Right. And that's what Des is too. So you have to weigh that. You know, where are we going to go? You sometimes teams like that quick Willie Sneed tie guy inside. Sometimes they like that big market Marquise Colston guy. And that's what Des has to be. The problem is Des has only played in one system. It's going to be a new system. He's going to have to learn it. You know, could he go to Carolina with North Turner and know that system? Yeah, I think he could. But I think that's the issue. And I think Des, if if Des is smart, I think he has to sign one or two one one day this week because once that draft comes hold, let me say this to you, Tate Fraser. Next Sunday, thirty-one teams. I'll describe the Patriots because they don't believe this. Thirty-one teams think they're going to go to the Super Bowl because mm-hmm. they had a great draft. Mm-hmm. Everybody had a great draft. There's nobody on, on next Sunday is not going to have a great draft. Okay, regardless of what Mel gives them, regardless of regardless what, of the grades, regardless of the, everybody had a great draft. They're all going to be patting themselves on the back with a great grade, you know. And they're all going to call everybody around the league and talk about, you know, I liked your guy. Do you like our, you know? And it's all predicated on where you picked them. Okay, mm-hmm. it's all predicated. You know, I had that guy going in the third round, and he went in the third round. You know, so my sense of it is, is you know, that's when Dez gets caught up, lost in the shuffle because does he sign with somebody or not? You know, and and the Ravens who are trying to assemble the 2012 Pro Bowl team, I thought they were the perfect destination for for Dez, but uh, they signed Willie Sneed. The Saints didn't match, and so now I don't know how they can do that. What about another team that's trying to put together the 2004 Pro Bowl roster? The 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 Raiders up in Oakland. Are they well, look, look at the Raiders Dez? have camp this week. They started this yeah. week, so John Gruden's on the field coaching. He can't wait to do it. Okay, <laughs> by Thursday of the he's draft, taking the FFC visor right, off. Throwing by it to the Thursday side. of the draft, he'll walk into Reggie McKenzie's office and say, "I hate every player on the team. Trade them all. Get them out of here." <laughs> <laughs> if you you laugh, you laugh, you laugh, you laugh all you want. It's true. Have all you want. It's true. Get, oh, this guy's horrible. I can't believe it. Which is fascinating because then they'll go into the draft. The Raiders, they're the Raiders, you know, I, I keep track of all the players that monitor that come in and all that. The Raiders brought in seven defensive backs for visits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Most of their visits have been all defense, which is what they really have to focus on defense and linebackers. I mean, and when you look at Reggie's draft, McKenzie's draft, I mean, you know, Khalil Mack, you know, Derek Carr. And then there's been a lot of these guys that haven't really hit. So they're going to have to go in there. And I think John, by having this camp on these three days, is going to really get an idea about where they're going to go. So we should see some movement there up in Oakland, you would say. I think they're going to be aggressive. I think, look, Reggie's, you know, Reggie's a good man. He's doing the right thing. John can get $100 million to sit back and watch somebody else build his he's team. He's going to make moves. He's, he's going to make splashes. He's going to make some moves. He's going to do some things. And I, I just don't know how long they're going to control him from picking an offensive player. He will pick a tight end because the one thing Gruden always says is tight ends create the matchup. He gets that. And when he has more than one tight end, he becomes a more effective offense. So I could see the, the Hayden, those guys, it's going to be hard for him to pass those kind of mismatch inside slot receivers because those are the kind of guys that he would have, the Penn State kid, you know, those kind of guys would fit what he does really well because they're not tight ends, they're slot receivers. And we have one more move before we're going to get to in this whole podcast. It's going to be the top 15 off- offensive players that we have in the, ja- in the right. draft, the GM Street top 15 offensive players. Um, Willie Sneed is a guy that uh, he was with the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, he'd been come, you know, sort of a threat there next to Michael Thomas, uh, the two of those guys. He gets his offer sheet from the Ravens, and now uh, it comes out that the Saints will not match it. So he will be become a Baltimore Raven, will give them some help on the outside. Um, um, when you look at that Willie Sneed situation, you just brought him up. You're talking about Des Bryant. He's basically a slot receiver. Right. Now, that that's a different in. kind of slot. So they go quickness. What I find fascinating about this draft is the Ravens have the Ravens are the only, the only quarterback the Ravens brought in for a visit was Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're kind of sneaky teams that that are interested in quarterbacks that are not letting them know. You know the other one that's sneaky? The, the Chargers. The Chargers brought in 
every quarterback – well, Darnold's easy to bring in because he's right down the street, yep. so you can spend time with him. Josh Allen they brought in. They brought in uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, so – and the only one they didn't bring in was Baker Mayfield. So they're really interested. Brought in Rosen because obviously he's here. So there's sneaky teams here that do it. I think the Ravens are a sneaky team for quarterback, even though their owners said – that because of the the longevity of Brady and Breeze and all that, they think Flacco can keep going. That's good in theory, but when you look at that cap number, it ain't good. So don't be surprised if you see some of those teams make a move. The yeah, Chargers I, I, especially. I, I, the Chargers, I wouldn't be surprised of all that. I mean, I think, you know, look, this week's all about the lies and everybody's moving up. That's to crack me up. I, I read the other day, Lamar Jackson. week. Lamar Jackson's moving headlines. up. Lamar Jackson's mm-hmm. moving up. When did he move down? Like, <laughs> I didn't know he moved down. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like. This when, is his late push. Yeah, it's yeah, been like straight. We've been waiting on it the whole time. sneaking into the first yeah. round. You know what I like to do, Tate Frazier? I like to go back, and I don't mean this in any disrespect towards Tom McShay, because I respect what he does, and I respect his work, and I've known Todd for a long, long time. I watched the Mel Kiper and Tom McShay mock draft right. in my free okay. time yesterday. But I think, the, most, I think the, the way you can really learn about this draft is to go back and look at the mocks right after last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to, on Sunday, the draft, Saturday, the draft ends, okay? Mm-hmm. And then Monday or Tuesday, all these draft nicks, Gil Brandt tweeted out this week that the draft on Thursday night will will get more viewers than the Masters final round. It's pretty remarkable, right? So anyway, so that's how interested people are in the draft. So and obviously everybody loves mock drafts because you see a thousand of them. You can't you <laughs> yes. can't okay can't hide from the mock so drafts. Next week, Wednesday or Thursday, some editor at ESPN will tell poor Todd McShay put a mock draft out for next year, right? So it's fascinating. So like that's really not it's hard for him to do it. But what's fascinating about looking at that as an executive in the league, you go back and look at those and you look at some of the names in that mock that that people, you know, like, like, for example, last year he had in his mock, he had Darnold, Allen and Rosen as the top three picks in the draft. OK, he had he had Barkley, I think, going seventh. He had Ridley in the top. He had a kid named Malik ja- Jefferson is a really good defensive linebacker from Texas. Okay, so now I'm an executive. I'm looking at this list now. I'm looking at this list now, and I'm saying, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Look, I didn't have this guy. You know who's not on his list? Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield wasn't in his first round last year. Now he's in his first round this year. So you're saying to yourself, why? Like, to me, that's what you're asking. And then you're looking at some guys like Josh Sweat from Florida State. He's uh, he's a freak at a workout, but he's in his first round but he's not nobody's first round this year. And so to me, you kind of play around with this and look at the names and you feel like it takes you back to reality of maybe, maybe that some of these guys are hyped up more than they really deserve. And you see how perceptions change over time. And, and when measurables, you know, come into the, you know, to the conversation, and, and, it changes And you everything. can use it. I mean, it's really a good tool to use. Mm-hmm. It's like, to me, it's the best way. Like Harold Landry, the linebacker from Boston College, he did not play well as a senior. Okay, he took some, but as a junior, he was fairly dominant. So this is what this list would be based on. So me as an executive, I would try to go back there because you're going to get some bargains here. I mean, you're going to get some bargains like the receiver from Florida. Okay, Callaway. I mean, he's it's all character with him. I mean, he'll either go to Cleveland, Green Bay or Oakland. I mean, one of those three teams will be able to overlook the character and pick him or Kansas City. And, and, you know, he's a top town talent. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But there's a lot of issues that you have to deal with in terms of, and I don't know what they are to the degree in terms of dealing with the player, but those are the kind of things you're looking for. You're looking for value, and maybe we misevaluated a guy because he was really good as a junior and he slipped, all right? And then the other reverse is all of a sudden, how this guy all of a sudden get in our eye, eye line? Mm-hmm. 
You know, like how did this become? Now, he doesn't put juniors in here, so Lamar Jackson's not in here. But he thought enough of Josh Allen last year coming off of the season to put him in his top five, which I think is interesting. It's very interesting. And then you look at a guy like Calvin Ridley, who you brought up, who is we've seen so much of Ridley that it seems like he has been almost put down because we have critiqued him so much, almost like a Deshaun Watson right. type. We've now, seen him so many times. We, right. we, we can talk about so many weaknesses that we've seen. You, you, exactly right. The, Bill Walsh used to say all the time, the more tape we watch, the more the perfect player, the search for the perfect player never ends. Mm-hmm. And so the more tape you have, the more you're going to be able to find a hole in a player. If you have one season of tape, it's hard to you can't pick on the guy. But if you have four years of tape, you can nitpick. Oh, that guy was a bad game for that guy. That was a bad game for that guy. You nitpick on the player, mm-hmm. and we all know this about college. It's not about it's about certain games. It's not about all the games. I mean, I mean, pinch me on Thursday, and let's do. We should do like a dollar. Like every time they all say, you know, I watched every tape on this guy, or I watched every. T-, like just hit me over the head, you mm-hmm. know, because I mean, because you didn't watch the Navy game. You know, why would you? <laughs> why would you watch a Georgia Tech game? Yeah. Why would you watch a Georgia Tech game? You know, if you want, you know, I mean, watch so, out for the option. It may yeah, come back. I mean, you know. So anyway, that, that's 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 where I think is interesting. So you go back and you look at that, and you say to yourself. Yeah, maybe these players a little bit. The media is taking them on. I think Mayfield's a perfect example of the media just par- just really like, oh, he's got it. You know when you hear that? Mm-hmm. It. Like, what does that mean? He has it. It means he's missing something else. Anyway. All right, Lombardi. Now it's time for the ZipRecruiter Smartest Move of the Week brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. With the draft being on Thursday, as we both know the NFL draft is this Thursday, uh, what move could be the smartest play of the week brought to you by ZipRecruiter? What do we have? I would think the Giants taking Chubb as a second pick overall. Not that I don't like Barkley, because I do. You're going to see that I have Barkley rated very high in my in my top offensive players. But I just think Chubb is a unique player. I think Rokon Smith could be the second pick mm-hmm. in the draft. I think I think the one thing about this draft that's very clear is that every team that takes a quarterback is doing a team that has a quarterback a huge favor because there's a lot of good defensive players in the top part of the draft. And I think that'll really help them. So the zip recruiter move of the week would be if the Giants took Bradley Chubb. And that was the smartest move of the week. And that was brought to you by zip recruiter. 80% of employers who post on zip recruiter find a quality candidate through the site in just one day. Try it free today at ziprecruiter.com slash ringer NFL. That's ziprecruiter.com slash ringer NFL. Zip recruiter, the smartest way to hire and you just brought up the New York Giants. Yeah. Big Blue. Uh, the NFC East, we did learn that they do not want Des Bryant, but we've also learned that Eric Flowers is a name that we could see moving on draft night. Uh, there's been some rumblings that there could be a trade uh, to get him out of town, to get him out of uh, the Big G. Well, they're going to move him over to right tackle, right? Mm-hmm. And so what is this trade value? I mean, if anybody, he's not a left tackle. He's proven that beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's not a left tackle. So, I mean, what could they possibly be? I mean, I think the kid's really ill-advised here to not come to the workout. Like, like to me, like... I understand he's frustrated because they, they paid Solder all that money and they're going to move his position and all that. But the best way to show your frustration is to outwork everybody. Come in and work and do it. And try Be- to beat him out, maybe. Because you, your career is not defined by what the Giants do to you. Your career is defined by what you'll do. And I think that's where these guys make mistakes. There's no sense. I mean, this isn't high school where you get mad, all of a sudden you're going to pout. Like, come in and work. He doesn't have a whole lot of trade value. Maybe a chain of scenery will do him good. I would suspect the Giants will use him to move up and around. won't be a lot. And then they can move forward. Because one thing about Gettleman, I think if you go back and look at Gettleman's, he's had five drafts when he was in Carolina. You know, he loves defensive front seven players. Yes. And so that's why I think the Chubb pick makes sense. Now, I know Barkley's a great player and all that. But I think I think when you study these draft, when you study this draft, this draft is unique in the sense that it doesn't have a lot of offensive tackles in it. 
It has more guards. It's got some good – I mean, there's some good backs in this draft, and Barkley is the best back of all. But then it's got really not a marquee receiver – type guy in this draft, and then those front seven guys on defense. And I don't think you want to mess with that. I think you better take that if you can. And it seems like it's already been determined and predetermined based on what the Browns are going to decide. They're going to take a quarterback, right. and then that number two pick for the Giants, they're going to get the de facto number one best player in the draft. No and, and people have their opinions, whether it's Chubb, whether it's Barkley, you even said Roquan Smith, who could end up being valued as the best player in the draft. But that's where you're going to see where Gettleman and the Giants value as the best right. player in the draft. You know, so I read this book, Deep Blue, by Gary Kasparov, the, the, the chess player, and and it's it's really about artificial intelligence. It's about how he's beaten these, these chess players uh, programs and he was one of the first guys to lose a chess match to a computer and he had steadily beaten them but what the computer was not able to do or what they couldn't really program the computer to do was to be able to to analyze a move based on the second move and mm -hmm. I think this is where this is really where Dave Gettleman is he's in a two-step move so he's got to look at it this way if I take Chubb I get him for five years and I have a contract after that that I know is going to be, for five years, it's going to be really cheap, and it's going to be able to, I can extend it. If I take Barkley, I get five years, and I don't know if I get another move. See, one, two, play the first move, what's the second move? And so you look at it and you say, okay, if I take, and then add a third move to it is, will there be another running back who is as good as or similar to Barkley that I could possibly get within this five-year time frame? I'm not going to be able to get a dominant pass rusher. So that's, to me, the way you have to play this move if I'm Gettleman. You've got to look at it as like you were playing against Deep Blue. Okay, one, two. If I make this, if I make this pick, then what's the lasting effect as it goes forward? And that's why I think Chubb makes more sense in that issue. And we talk about the infrastructure and the Giants sticking to the plan and what they've done as a franchise and staying consistent with who they are. Who they are is getting linemen on the other side, that right. front four, and be I mean, and look, find a pass rusher. Look, Gettleman takes Starla Tui, He takes he takes uh, Shaq Thompson. He takes Vernon Butler. I mean, now he took Kelvin Bri Kelvin Benjamin, and he took McCaffrey. But still, Tony Ely. Yeah, I mean, but he likes defensive players. I mean, mm -hmm. when you look at it, I think he's taken in the top two rounds. He's taken five defensive players. So, but my point is, I think you have to really look at it as a component of just not a single entity. Okay, because this draft does provide some uniqueness, but you can't just look at this draft when you're evaluating who you're picking. And you talk about uniqueness in this draft. We're going to get into the top offensive players that we have. And number one on the list, Quentin Nelson, Quentin Nelson offensive guard from Notre Dame, uh, 6'5 guy, 325 pounds. There's been a lot of comparisons made between him and Zach Martin, another guy uh, out of Notre Dame that has obviously you know made a career for himself down in Dallas. Um, a lot of people have him going to the Bears early on in the draft to give Mitchell Trubisky some help up front. But Quentin Nelson is a guy that uh, you have number one on your board. I, I think Nelson is one of the best offensive line prospects I've seen in a long, long time. I mean, he dominates. You watch the North Carolina, North Carolina State has – Four defensive linemen that are going to play in the NFL. One kid got hurt during the thing. But this kid is just a, a – he is truly a guy that can pass protect. He gets movement in the run game. To me, he's a blue chip right away pro bowl player. And when you get an opportunity to pick one of those guys, it's hard to find. People say, well, you know, you can find guards. Good luck, okay? Good luck finding guards all the time. They're not easy to find. I don't want to pick a guard in the top five picks in the draft. I mean, last time this happened, Chance Wormack went, and, and then Jonathan Cooper went. Both guys have not had great careers. Mm -hmm. But to me, this kid's unique on what he does on tape. That's what I was going to ask. I mean, I know the, the Jonathan Cooper pick going eighth, and, and you know, obviously Chance Wormack as well. Th those early picks, do you think that scares people away from maybe taking Qu Quentin Nelson a little bit earlier? No, again, let's go back to Deep Blue. If you take Nelson 
okay, then you know you're taking a five-year player at an economic value for five years, plus you're getting another five-year deal. It's going to be really expensive, but you're getting a blue-chip player. So you're talking about, really, I mean, this is as good as it gets. And the teams in this draft, I'll say it again, the teams that don't need quarterbacks are going to benefit, especially picking high. And I think this guy is really a blue-chip player. All right, number two on the board, we have Saquon Barkley running back out of Penn State. Uh, Sean Payton uh, famously said at the NFL Combine that he's the best running back prospect that he has seen in 25 years. Obviously, the upside with Barkley is you know the passing game skills that he has. He has a body built for the NFL, and a lot of people think that he is the best overall prospect in the draft. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's the best overall prospect in the draft because I think the position lends itself. I know everybody gets caught up with Zeke Elliott, but look, I, I think you can – Look, it's hard to find defensive ends. It's hard to find guys like Rokon Smith who play linebacker who can affect the game on four downs. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find the Edwards kid from Virginia Tech who impact the game tremendously. And I know there's a lot of debate internally about Edwards, not in, in the NFL about Edwards as a, as Tremaine Edwards as a pick, but how great he can become. But I think it's hard to find that. Backs, you can find some. And I think that's the reality here. I mean, look, I do I think he, he is – let's t- compare him to cars. Is he a Bentley? Yeah. But, you know, you can drive a Porsche and have a nice ride too. It just might not be a Bentley, mm-hmm. right? Like, why do I have to pay for a Bentley? That, to me, is where I am with Barkley. Like, why do I have to – I, I admire his talent. I think he'll be really good in the passing game. And I think 230 pounds out in the flat who can catch the ball, plus he can affect the game on return. I love that. But why do I want to pay for a Bentley? Like, if I bought a Porsche, maybe I can buy another Porsche. Mm-hmm. Would I rather have two Porsches than one Bentley? And do you have a, a chance for, you know, Barkley is like a Reggie Bush sort of thing where you have to cater an offense to Barkley for it to be, you know, no, successful? No, I, I think he could fit into any offense. I really do. I mean, you know, but I think it's. I think what you want to do is how he's going to impact the passing game. To me, that's the key component right mm-hmm. there. And can he impact the passing game? I, I think that's really where, where it comes down to. And we've seen the comparison to Le'Veon Bell. That's, per, that's probably the number yeah, one. Yeah, but Le'Veon's picked in the second pick second round Mm -hmm. again you know nobody nobody thought he was going to be the Bentley and it's the value of the pick where you take him right that's what it comes back and it's what you can't get I Mm -hmm. mean to me I I believe the top five is what what you can't pay for you can't pay for it's hard to pay for a guard I mean people say well I mean look how these guards that Andrew Norvell went to Jacksonville got paid a king's ransom Mm -hmm. so I think it's hard to find that absolutely and number three on the board we have Lamar Jackson, quarterback out of Louisville. Yeah, I went back and forth on this, and you know, I just finally said, you know what, I'm going to go by the tape. I mean, Lamar Jackson's the best player on the tape in terms of playing quarterback. And I know there's a lot of risk with Lamar Jackson. I know there's a lot of downside. I mean, I know that there's people at Louisville that are critiquing his mental aspects or what he's doing. But, you know, I mean, they're also the same people that talked about Ryan Mallett really highly. You know, so you got to take that with a grain of salt and put it off. I watched, I watched every game of Louisville. I hate to sound like them. Hit me over the head because of Matthew. My son was there, so yes. I got to know it. I got to feel it. I got to live it. And I just think the guy's a dynamic player. And what what bothers me the most, Tate Frazier, is how Michael Vick impacted the NFL with his style of play. Okay, and he revolutionized the NFL with his style of play. He was a pioneer. Pioneer, and he was dominant. Okay, and then we watched Deshaun Watson take that and take it up a step. And mm. now nobody seems to think Lamar Jackson can do that, and he's better than both players. Michael Vick readily admits he's better than him. So for me, I'm going with the tape. Like I think there's teams that are willing to change their offense to fit Lamar Jackson in. I think he'll definitely be a first-round pick. I don't think there's any doubt about that, and I think he'll be an absolute impact player. That's why I made him third. And Lamar Jackson, we talked about the oversaturation. We have seen so much of Lamar Jackson because he came on the scene so quickly 
and he seemed to get pick apart. People said, you know, he misses throws. You know, he gets a little loose sometimes when he gets outside the pocket. But those are the things that also make him great when he gets outside yeah. the pocket. He can do some things that not many people can do. Nobody can do. And I, and I think that he can also make some throws from the pocket. I mean, we've seen this. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can make some tight window throws from the pocket. Is he accurate? Not all the time. I mean, Deshaun Watson wasn't accurate all the time, but I just think this guy can change the game, and I think he's going to be hard to defend. I think whenever you get a guy that can change the game, and this is where I think it becomes a real issue. There's a lot of a lot of people talk about vertical speed. Mm-hmm. They talk about the game has, is played vertically. But where the Patriots lost the Super Bowl was because they couldn't defend the width of the field. Their, their speed in, from from the width from side to side was not good. Mm-hmm. Okay, it really wasn't, and it's always been that way because the Patriots like big linebackers who are thumpers. Okay, and there's certain teams that still like that style, and so the width of the field became becomes a problem. When you take Lamar Jackson, you have to defend the length and the width of the field because of his of his ability to move, and that to me is why I gave him the great idea. Absolutely, and number four we have another quarterback, a man that a lot of people assume Todd Haley and the Cleveland Browns will take. Possibly number one, Sam Darnold out of USC. I I like Darnold. I think Darnold, look, if you want to go traditional and you think he has some upside, I think there's no doubt. The ball security just scares the hell out of me. I mean, his his decision-making scares the hell out of me. But I think there is upside with the player. And I think if I were, you know, put in a position where, you know, Lamar Jackson is, everybody's got to buy into this. Mm -hmm. Like, this just can't be, okay, I'm the personnel director. I'm Ted Thompson, and I'm dictating to the coaches what they get. You, that ain't going to work. I mean, this has got to be everybody buy in. And so if you can't get everybody to buy in Lamar Jackson, then you got to try to get – then to me, Darnold's the next best guy. I think that, I think he can play. He'll rise. And I think the one thing about Darnold that we don't – he's going to get better. Mm-hmm. He is going to improve. And people forget, I mean, he did do the me- mechanical corrections. He had that loopy delivery that he tried to fix going into last season. So when you make those kind of big shift changes, you know, obviously there is a downturn and, you know, do, things do tend to get better when you continue yeah, to work on and, it. and I think – we don't give enough credit. There, there's, there has to be a, an improvement here. You're going to get pro coaching, mm-hmm. a, and I know he's been coached to this off season. You know, I know he's been working hard at doing all those things, and, and you know, and Jordan Palmer's worked with them in terms of correcting the looseness of the throw. But everybody's got to get better with the ball security because, look, let's face it, that's not that's not what's going on in college football. Every guard in this draft has got to improve his technique. Everybody does. I think that's the upside that you see with Darnold. And, and is there a chance that Cleveland takes him, decides he is our franchise quarterback, but we're going to redshirt him behind Tyrod for the year? I, I could think that could happen. I do. In the I, same way like Jared Goff was with Case Keenum. You know, I, I think that could. But I, I, to me, you know, and, and that works there because I don't think Cleveland's sure that headline Huey mm-hmm. is going to be there after this year. So maybe that plan does work out. But if you had a, a normal situation in Cleveland where the coach and the GM came in at the same time, then I would play the quarterback. Let's build a team around them. Like to me, Lamar Jackson, let's just hypothetically say Lamar Jackson gets picked by the by the Patriots. Well, they would build an offense around him, but that offense wouldn't be really unveiled until Brady was done playing because mm-hmm. they're not going to run the same offense. So they would need a buffer in between to kind of like Brian Hoyer, who could run Brady's the offense and then they could go to some or, other or way. Robert Griff, Robert Griffin the third, which the is Ravens, what, with yeah. the Ravens exactly. So that's the way to think of it. So you know, to me, I, I could see Darnold sitting, but I don't think it would be the best thing for Darnold. Well, we always know Huey in the news will make headlines and uh, continue to do so. so. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, it can't seems, you wait for Huey's quotes on Tuesday? <laughs> it does seem like everything is leaning to I Sam Darnold going I number one. I can't wait for He wants to tell the world who they're going to pick. <laughs> yes. Now, I'm told Dorsey won't even tell the owner until the night of the draft. Mm which is really kind of remarkable. And, you know, people are figuring out Dorsey likes cold weather players. Is it Josh Allen? You know, whatever it is, it is. 
Let's get to number five, another quarterback. Uh, obviously, this is a quarterback-heavy draft, as we know. Josh Rosen, uh, the quarterback out of UCLA. Uh, the nickname Rich Kid Rosen uh, has been thrown <laughs> around out there. Uh, he said at one time he's not going to pretend to be 50. Um, there's a lot of people that want him to be myopic, is the, is the word that people want to use for Josh Rosen. He is not that kind of guy, but he is six foot four. He is 230 pounds, and, and he, he does talented. have a cannon. He is yep. talented. I mean, he is really talented. I mean, I think that we're letting the personality drive us a little bit here, and I think that's when you go back and look at when you look at what what uh, uh, Todd talked about. You know, this guy has got talent. I think you know the whole the whole Jim Mara Jr. thing just hasn't come off the way it needs to come off. So that always concerns you. But I don't think you can deny the talent. I think you got to buy into the kid. You got to feel like you can you can really handle the kid. And then you got to really get a good role model around the kid. And I think that would be a really good thing. Like let's just say a team that had a like a team that had a good veteran leader who could show this kid really what he needed to do. I think that would be the smart play. Which I have to ask the question, what about John Elway? Is there is there a potential there if he goes to the Denver Broncos that you have John Elway to mentor him there yeah. in Denver? He's on the West Coast. It, it seems like a perfect I, I, fit. I, look, people could have said the same thing about Elway. I mean, look, Elway f- made the Baltimore Colts trade him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think you can get any myopic more than that, can you? <laughs> huh? Yeah, it's a little bit more than that. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, like, like I think we weigh too much. This is not look the the best quarterback in this draft shouldn't be Mister Congeniality. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, let's just put that right there. So. I think that that's where I am. I mean, at the end of the day, Rosen's a good player. And if you need a quarterback, he'll give you a solution. Now, how good is he? I think that's going to be predicated on how much he wants to work, how hard he'll work, and how much you can make him better. Absolutely. And let's get to the number six. Going back, did you see Bruce Arians' comments saying the Cardinals should draft Lamar Jackson? Now, Bruce wrote a book, right, Mm -hmm. about quarterbacks. Yeah, I read it. I mean, like, you know... There's another Listen one. Listen to the man. Listen yeah. to the man. Come on. Preach. Come on, Bruce. Uh, number six on our board, DJ Moore, the wide receiver out of Maryland. Uh, built like a running back, really well after the catch. He led the Big Ten in receiving yards last season. A lot of people are saying he's like Stephon Diggs, playmaking potential also from Maryland. I love receivers that, you know, they always would move a receiver up on the board that has running back skills. Like, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I loved the Redskins. I was a huge Redskin fan. Charlie Taylor, you know, was a running back. You know, that's why he wore 42 and they moved him receiver. And then that whole element of being a receiver, when you get the ball in your hands, like Brandon Cooks, for example. Brandon Cooks is really bad with the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. Like for a guy who's explosive receiver, you know, he's just not good. He got the concussion at the Super Bowl. He backs out the wrong way and he gets – I mean. I feel bad he got concussed, but that was really not a really good demonstration of run skills, okay? So run skills for me are so important with receiver. And I think DJ Moore playing at Maryland kind of people overlooked a little bit. He's got rare athletic ability. He's got talent. He can run with the ball. I like him. He's my number one receiver, but there's another receiver I like. We'll get to him later in the draft that I love, 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 but I love Moore too. And DJ Moore, I mean, he had at Maryland, for people that don't know, Maryland had about 15 different quarterbacks this season. It seems like a trend with Maryland football that yeah. they can't and find a quarterback. I, and I think he's going to get way better. I really do. And I think the one thing you can't coach, when your mama lifts you from the crib, you're either a running back or you're not. And when you get the ball in your hands, it's a crib thing. And I think he has that crib mentality. And that's why I think he's going to be really explosive. And the Ravens at number 16 is a oh team my to God. watch how out. Many more, how many more receivers can they put on the <laughs> roster? I mean, oh my gosh. 
<laughs> well, RG3 needs some weapons. Uh, number seven, we have Josh Allen, another quarterback out of Wyoming. Uh, he has been been targeted and claimed uh, to be a boom or bust prospect, one of my favorite terms that people use. Uh, there's a potential for him still to be the number one pick. Apparently, Todd Haley loves his arm strength, so you can watch out for that. He has been compared to Cam Newton, which I think is That's ridiculous. the most ridiculous comparison I think I've ever seen. Um, but Josh Allen, number seven, what do you have to say about you him? You know, I, I think Josh Allen is all... You, you, you have to take Josh Allen. He's a great kid. He comes with a complete package. You know, you know he's going to get better. He's been at small schools. He hasn't gotten to the level. It's a little Aaron Rodgers. You know, we all, you know, Aaron Rodgers, we know Aaron Rodgers today, but Ted Thompson deserves a huge credit because he saw Aaron Rodgers as getting better and he saw what he could do. And the concerning factor about accuracy with Josh Allen, it doesn't go away. It wasn't, it was a factor at junior college, it's a factor at Wyoming. Yes, you can say there's some drops, yes, they're all that. But controlling the football's got to improve. But just like the same thing, Lamar Jackson controlling the football's got to improve. I think there's enough intangibles here that make this kid an interesting prospect. And that's why I write him in there. I mean, I would be nervous about it saying, I don't know if we got it, but I think the kid will work hard to get it. I don't think he's going to bust. I don't think that's going to be it. I don't think he's going to be, you know, could he be a starter? Yeah. Do I think he'll end up being a serviceable player in the league if he didn't start? I could see that because his character is really good. And we saw at the combine there was a lot of players that came out and said they enjoyed being around Josh right. Allen and, and he was good in the huddle with players right. I mean, and, he and had all that the, stuff. And, and he won the Senior Bowl, whereas another quarterback wasn't as loved at the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about him later. Of course. Uh, and now, number eight, we have Isaiah Wynn, uh, offensive, another guard out of Georgia. It's uh, a good guard draft. I yep. mean, this is a kid play, play tackle, tackle Georgia, goes inside. Yep. You know, he's kind of got some uh, pass run. Uh, he can run block. He's good. He's physical. I mean, I like offensive linemen. To me, you know, it's hard to draft them. It's hard. It's hard to. You need about as many as you can. I mean, the depth. I mean, the Eagles won a Super Bowl. Their offensive line. I think their offensive line coach did a remarkable job. But these are the kind of guys. I think the guys that can play. You know, move around. He can play two positions, right or left guard. He can't play center. He's played tackle. So if you had to put him out there in a pinch, I think he's a good player. And you talk about run blocking and the need for run blocking as we move forward. And some of these guys that are so valuable at the top of the draft. This is the guy, Isaiah Wynn. Right. And I, and I think, you know, playing at Georgia, you, the, the level of comp matters and the foot speed matters. I think that's really important. And let's get to our number nine guy, another guy out of Georgia that we saw shine, uh, and that's Sony Michelle, one of the best uh, I love in, this in kid. blitz pickup. I love uh, this we, we've kid. seen I, some I, amazing things. I, I think I'm concerned. There's a lot of teams telling me there's a medical concern here, so he could slip a little bit. I don't know what it is, but some some of those, you know, the way the medical works, Tate Frazier, is there's like tables at the combine, and each team, there's like six doctors from, from every team at one table and six different from another table. And so his medical grade is a little iffy from what I'm told. So he's getting different grades from different teams. Yeah, and it's a little, but this kid to me is the prototypical NFL back. I mm-hmm. mean, he can catch the ball. He can affect the passing game. Remember how we have to evaluate running backs. It's block, catch, run. It isn't run, catch, block. And this kid blocks well. Mm-hmm. And this kid can be impactful. I love this kid as a player. I think if he's healthy enough, I like Chubb, the other running back at Georgia too, but I don't have him in the top 15. But I think Chubb's a really good player from the I formation, from the deep set. This kid can play from a spread, and he can impact the game. And he's going to be a problem, and you're going to have to defend the field horizontally. And to me, again, I've said this numerous times, the spread is made by the back. This kid will make the spread better. He's a one-cut running back. He's a home run threat, and he was an absolute star when we watched him play on the the biggest stage in college football. Let's get to number 10, Baker Mayfield, quarterback out of Oklahoma. A lot of people love uh, because of his tenacity. 
You know, I, I probably have him rated too high here. I probably went. I, I would probably. I should have put him fifteenth because I'm not a. I'm not in love with Baker Mayfield. I think there's a lot of things that have to go right for Baker for him to be successful. I don't see the Drew Brees comparison. I mean, Drew Brees was a world class tennis player. I don't see this being athletic. This kid didn't get an offer. He had to go walk on to Texas Tech. Then he comes to Oklahoma. I mean, let's face the reality. If he was playing it, let's just put Baker Mayfield at another school. Let's put him at Wyoming. Let's put him at Wyoming. Okay. Well, he would probably be as Todd McShay had him not in his first round, okay? You know, sometimes the, the surrounding uh, evaluates the player. The narrative. The narrative, mm-hmm. exactly. And I th- to me, I have the hardest time watching, if you just take his third down reel and just watch Baker Mayfield on third and seven against good level of comp. Roquan Smith. And drive the ball in there in a tight window, I don't see it. And can he elude and escape like Lamar Jackson can? Not really. I mean, remember the two-point play? Mm-hmm. We all do. And the, those are the knocks on Baker Mayfield. But it does seem that Baker Mayfield will have He's a team that momentum. takes it. Yeah, He's someone got, will take I mean, a chance on him. I mean, I don't, you know, look, today we reported that the, the Arizona Cardinals love, love him. I mm-hmm. mean, I, you better love him. And you better, if you love him, watch that third down tape. I mean, every quarterback, you got to watch the third down. To me, watch the games and then watch the third down tape. And if the third down tape tells you that he can handle against good comp, not mm-hmm. against cover one in the senior bowl, not against cover three in this, I'm talking about really good coverage like Alabama or like Georgia run. See if he can do it. And let's be honest, uh, Baker Mayfield is one of those guys. If we want to talk about uh, someone that's blown up in the system in the in the, in the over the past year, I mean, from 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 just one season ago, he is absolute balloon to the top, which is good. Uh, let's get to number eleven, James Daniels, another guard from Iowa. Uh, a lot of people believe that he will be a starter day one. He did have some knee injuries in the past, but he seems to be past those. Yeah, um, I mean, medical's a concern here too. I think the guy's a four-year starter. You know, I like guys that play in the offensive line that can play center or guard. He can move around. He's a three-position guy. He's been well coached at that school. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, these are the kind of guys. This is where this draft is heavy. This draft has got really good inside players in there. It's got good centers. You know, it's got good guards. I think this is where the heaviness of the draft, this is where it's going to take off and, and where there's really no tackles in this draft. It's a hard place to find tackles. Number 12, we have James Washington, probably the most unassuming Oklahoma State receiver. We, my... saw, we saw James Blackman. We saw uh, Des Bryant. We saw all these big names, you know, bravado, the brashness that came out of Oklahoma State on the wide receiver side. And then James Washington just keeps setting these records there, and it just does it so unassumingly. People thought that he may come out. He goes back for a senior season. And then does just dominates again. I mean, to me, he's my favorite player in the draft. I love James Washington. I love James Washington. I think the ball, he's my, I, I know I put DJ Moore ahead of him because I think DJ Moore has ups. This kid gets the ball in his hands. He's dynamic. Calvin, people say, you like him better than Calvin Ridley? Yeah, this kid's physical. You mm-hmm. try to bump this kid, you try, and then he gets the ball in his hands. He looks like a running back. He just doesn't look like a prototypical receiver. That's the big problem with this kid. This kid's got a chance to be an elite player in the NFL. I, he was an elite player at Oklahoma State. He dominated. You couldn't really ever leave him single. No matter who it was, he can get open. He's tough. I love this kid. I think he's great. 39-inch vertical, 4-4, 40-yard dash. and uh, he, he plays to it, though. See, yes. you know, there's some 40 times on him that had him a little bit above 4-5. I don't care. I mean, this kid plays to a time that's different. It's different in pads. It, way different in pads. And he's hard to play. And he doesn't look like a receiver. That's the problem. He's not that pretty-looking guy. I mean, he's square. He's strong. He looks like a running back. 
and he's really effective. I love this kid. Kind of reminds me of Steve Smith. He really does. Mm-hmm. He really does. He's, he's got tough. the same kind of temperament, too. Yep, absolutely. Uh, let's get to our next guy, and that's number 13 on our list, Mike McGlinchey, the offensive tackle. Yeah. Our first tackle in the draft out yeah. of Notre Dame. And this is not a great tackle draft. I mean, look, the UCLA kid and the the, the, the Texas kid, those are the two other tackles. Um, the, the UCLA kid played better as a junior when he played on the right side, has trouble with power. He's kind of an enigma guy to me. And then when you take a look at this kid, he's played right or left tackle. I think he's more of a right tackle in the NFL. It's going to be hard to find the pure left tackle. I'm not sure the kid from Oregon can do that. So to me, I, I put him down here. It's a, it's a very thin tackle draft. That really gives me problems. If I was tackle like the Brown, like the, the Patriots that need a left tackle, you know, maybe they take the UCLA kid and think they got a break, they can coach him up and make him play with more power, which is what they did with Nate Solder as well, because that was Solder's knock on him. Mm-hmm. But there's really no. That guy's a blue chip left tackle yeah, in he, this draft. He has played on both sides of the line, so there is good news. He has some versatility there, so he's not necessarily uh, aligned to the left side. Let's get to number 14 on the list, and that is Mike Gasicki. That is the tight end from Penn State. Right, and I almost put Frank uh, Frank Rangone in this spot too because I think I think Rangone's a really uh, – Ragnow? Rag, Ragnow. Ragnow. Yeah, Frank Ragnow from Arkansas. Yep. Yeah, I think he's moved. he's really been a good player. I think people are interested in him. I'm told he'll be a first-round type pick. But he, look, this guy's – Ragnow is going to be a starter. I like the I like the Penn State tight end. Mm-hmm. I think the guy's got really rare athleticism for the position. I think he'll be a mismatch guy. And if Jimmy Graham is worth what Jimmy Graham's worth for the Packers, mm-hmm. and Jimmy Graham has been worth it, I think this kid's a better Jimmy Graham. So like, if I can find that, like, that's what bothers me about Lamar Jackson. When you can find a comparison that's real, and you know how good that player came in the league, and you can make this one, that's why I like this kid. I know Hayden Hurst is a lot of people in the first in the first title. Out of South Carolina. Out of yep. South Carolina. To me, this kid did everything in the pro. Now, is he going to block? No. Yep. I don't think he's a great blocker at all. But can he block the perimeter? Can he block the star, which is the corner safety? Yeah. Is he going to be hard to match up to? Yeah, because he's big. He's huge. And he can jump. And he can catch the ball in balance. You know, I think Ragnall's a good player, too. I think I'll probably put them both there and we'll go. But I think Ragnall can play both inside spots. But I like this kid, too. Okay. And finally, in our final spot, since we, we shared the two there with uh, Ragnall and Gusecki, uh, Darius Geis, uh, the running back out of LSU. Yeah. We've like always Geis. had good running backs out of LSU. I like Geis. Uh, I think Geis, LSU. you know, injuries this year. But I think Geis is a powerful guy, can impact three downs. I think he's another guy that can help in the pass the game. Can he protect? I think that's going to be something that's going to – worked on because we know LSU and that diverse offensive attack. Oh my God, it's painful <laughs> to watch. They motioned like 77 times to get nothing. Like mm-hmm. you know, and, and once they took away the tight end inside run, I mean that was over with. Like I like I don't understand it. But anyway, I like that kid. I think he's gonna be a good player. That's why I think there's two other there's and there's more depth running backs. Like I didn't That's what you were talking about Barkley. So if you can find a guy in there that has the a, Bentley of the mm-hmm. thing. But there's a But you can get a Porsche as Darius guys. Yeah, you can get some other kind of it may not be as good, mm-hmm. but you're gonna get some good players. And I think to me, again, deep blue. Move one to move two. How does it all fit? And it isn't just about players. What isn't like everybody thinks that that what I'm talking about is if I get Geis in the first round, or if I get you know Chubb, and then I can get Geis at the top of the set. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the two moves of this kid plus his next year of his contract. What does he do, and how does it impact me, and whether I can fill these other holes? Those are the two moves I'm talking about. That's why I think the players like this they'll come out every year. 
Mm-hmm. You can always get a guy, a really good running back in a draft. It's hard to find those really good passers. You get a Jeremy Hill, and then you can get a Darius guys. Exactly. Um, let's talk about some guys that just didn't quite make the list. Uh, Will Hernandez, the offensive guard. From I like Utah. Hernandez. I think Hernandez is a really good player. I, I think he's really he's done. A, I mean, you could easily make the case that he's. I mean, these guards are good. I mean, you know, he's been really good in the run game. I mean, the level of comp always worries you, but I think he's he's got outstanding ability. He can play left guard. He can play right guard. He can't play center, so he's a two-positional guy, right or left. Uh, I, I think the guy's a good player. I think he'll move up the board. I think he'll be a starter in the NFL, and that's really what matters. You mentioned McShay. I'll mention Kuyper. Uh, he said that Hernandez is the best run-blocking guard in 25 years. Wow. That's, so, a, yeah, that, that's, 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 that's a big a comp for him. Uh, I want to talk about another name that is not on the list that was almost there. Deion Kane, a wide receiver out of Clemson. Guy we both really like, but it was just right on the verge. He's a guy that you can get in the second. Yeah, or third he and, round. and Ridley were the, both the guys. I mean, I think that I think this is a really like a, more of a second round receiver, second level receiver draft. I mean, Ridley, I Ridley's a dynamic player, and mm-hmm. if he has free release, I just sometimes I don't think he plays physical enough. Kane, I think the offense, he's a good player. He's got the ability to make plays. I, I just thought it was hard to put him in the top. I think both all those guys are good players. And then uh, two other wide receivers that are sort of in that same uh, mosh of guys. That Everybody has Sutton High. Courtney right? Sutton out of SMU is another guy that comes up. And uh, then, DJ Chark out of LSU. I know. Chark's, Chark worries me. I, it's hard to sometimes to see his speed He's on tape. He's a late bloomer, a guy that yeah, did well and, at the And he ball. ran really fast. It's hard to see his speed on tape. He builds speed. You know, it's like when you take a guy, like everybody says, well, the guy's a 440 champion. Really, those don't, those don't impact the NFL because mm-hmm. they take a while to wind. It's wind-up speed. You need somebody who can get their quickly you know so i would be nervous and, about that and another guy that i wanted to you mentioned you know looking at some of the mock drafts from a year before saint brown out of notre dame was a wide receiver that everyone had pegged to be right. a top 20 top 25 pick right and now he's sort of fallen off off by the wayside no one's really talking about him but if you're a gm you know the talents that's there he just kind of had an off year last year do you take a chance on him yeah that's why it's so important as a general manager to do the four years of school like when you go to clemson as a GM, or you do them in your desk, you don't just do the prospects, you do the whole team. Mm-hmm. So that the next year you're able to then carry over. Hey, I remember that kid. That kid played really good in this game. I mean, so you're living through Clemson. Like for me, there's there's 32 NFL teams, okay? And then there's 32 college NFL teams. Mm-hmm. And if you're a general manager and you study those 32 college general teams, let's say Oklahoma, let's, you know, all these, there's 32 of them and you basically treat them like pro teams, you'll have a database of players so long that you'll be able to come in there and you'll be able to see this guy. Oh, you know, they, they didn't have that guy. That guy, you know, he was a better player this year than he was this year so or last year. So it gives you a better database. And then the guys like this kid, you can move them up the board. The GM Street Secret Sauce. You just heard it right there. Uh, one more name I want to throw out there that may be a sleeper in this draft. Jalen Samuels. Uh, he's a running back slot at NC kid. State. Uh, he is a guy. I mean, he does everything. I yes. don't know where NC State would be. NC State had some really good players. Mm-hmm. I mean, NC State, that they do a great job recruiting because I don't know if they're beating anybody. I mean, as a North Carolina alum, you should be pissed off at how good they recruit. They do. They do a remarkable job. I mean, Chubb's a high pick. This kid, to me, he's he's exactly what's going to happen. He's going to get drafted in the probably on Friday or maybe Saturday, and he's going to go make some team. He's going to be a four-down running back. He's going to play in the kicking game. He's going to play on all three downs, and he's going to make somebody really a good player. I, I love that kid. I think he's a good. I think he's exactly what the NFL is about: versatile, multidimensional. And he can and he can impact the game in his way. So whatever team drafts Samuels will be very happy. We were talking about I Saturday night, having calling around the league saying that they yeah. love Jalen Samuels. It's like last year we were talking about Aaron Jones. You know, mm-hmm. the, Aaron Jones is a perfect example of of if you do your homework on the year before, before he got hurt. Aaron Jones was a star, and then he got hurt and he kind of got lost in the shuffle. How about Kamara? Same thing. Yep. Well, Kamara's hard to do because Butch Jones didn't use him. Yeah. 
I mean, that, that was really the hard thing to do. You know, Butch Jones didn't really use him. It's like Sonny, it's like Michelle from Georgia. I mean, he was used, but Chubb's there too. So you're kind of alternating things. Georgia's got so much talent. It's so much talent. You mentioned Chubb. We talked about him a little bit here. I mean, it, he's a guy that, you know, he is, could be a franchise type running back, you know. Uh, is there a chance that some team will maybe take a chance on him higher in the first round or maybe even? I think if you if you want to get in some deep, like if you're the Raiders and you want to be in some I formation like John wants to do, or you're the Patriots who do a little bit of that, or the Rams. He's an old school back. He's an old school back and he can run it through there is he a great outside zone stretch player i didn't see that on the tape i mean ronald the kid from usc ronald jones i mean mm-hmm. he's a really good player too he's got a lot of versatility in the passing game the kid from san diego state that all these there's enough of them so but then again you know barkley's the best back you have to find your fit uh any more thoughts before we get out of here no tape frazier i'm a big week i love this week yeah big week draft week we will be back to do the top gm street 15 defensive players in the draft we appreciate you guys listening and uh, we'll be back on wednesday